What's going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, going go our way through the Gospel of Matthew. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. And so we'll see how far we get in this. Sometimes we can do the whole chapter, sometimes we have to break it down a bit so how's it going how you folks doing what's what's a praise item how's the lord been helping you also if you folks could please be praying for our feed today that everything go well uh we're having some crazy storms right now lots of lightning lots of thunder uh and when it gets really bad it has a tendency to knock our power out so could you please pray that doesn't happen so we can <laughs> get our way through the bible study here without any problems if it does go down and everything you know you'll notice that the it'll freeze or whatever if the power goes out just just wait don't go anywhere just hold up just wait and it'll take me a minute or two and i'll be i'll be able to get the feed right back up again um and th thankfully due to some of our software programs it doesn't fully cause too much of an issue we're able to catch where we left off and uh just be just pray though that that won't happen that we won't have to fuss with that okay so we're in the gospel of matthew chapter 15 and again if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding the study at hand please by all means go ahead ask away if it's not related to the topic at hand if you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next uh, broadcast as we want to try to limit our rabbit trailing Okay, we're working our way through here, taking a look at the life of Jesus, at his uh, teachings, his miracles, uh, his doctrines. We're taking a look at his deity, his person, uh, what he's come to do, and I uh, hope you're taking notes. So again, grab your notepad and take notes, write things down, do the study, research these things yourself, search the scriptures to see if these things are so. And of course, grab your coffee, grab your tea, whatever it is you have for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or snack, or whatever, and come join us at the table. Time to study the Word of God. Okay. So in the wrap-up of chapter 14, uh, we take a look at the feeding of the thousands, uh, followed up with Jesus walking on the water, and then Peter uh, joined them on the water, and we saw that whole situation, and then when they got back in the boat, as we see in verse 33 of chapter 14, they that were in the ship came and worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. And again, we see these kinds of things all throughout the Gospels, uh, uh, direct uh, in, instruction, as it says, that they worshipped him, and other, other kinds of claims as well, that where we see his deity is presented. Because you don't worship angels. You don't worship prophets. You don't worship holy men. You only worship God. And you only bow the knee to the Lord God. And we see here that they worshipped him. And this is the uh, reverence as you would do to a deity. And they fell before the Lord and worshipped him. 
and we see Jesus casts out devils, he forgives sins, accepts, worships, claims the names of God, all kinds of things down through the Gospels that prove his deity. Jesus is not Michael the Archangel. He's not just some prophet. Jesus is not just some holy man. Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. Amen. All right, so we see the wrap up there with verse 33, and, in, and then we see in verse 34, they finished uh, making their way over to the land of Gennesaret, and this is where now they're working in chapter 15. So whilst, while this is going on, we see Jesus is talking to the people, teaching the people, and uh, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1, then came to Jesus scribes and pharisees which are of jerusalem all right so he's if you take a look at the map of israel there land of Gennesaret, where jesus is at this point is a fair distance from jerusalem it would have taken these guys quite a while to get over here to get over to where jesus is and so these scribes and pharisees they had they had a they had a bee in their bonnet about Jesus, and they had uh, some real problems about him, and they wanted to confront Jesus. And in their thinking, they think they can call him out, that uh, they, they can expose Jesus as a false teacher or something. They think they got him, that they have a big issue with him. There's Jesus going around teaching people. And so these guys come all the way from Jerusalem with a, with a very serious, important question. Okay, just so you understand the scenario here. As some people, they worship their religion instead of worshiping God. It's like some people worship the very act of worship itself instead of worshiping God. Where they spend all of their focus and what they are worshiping is the sensations, the emotions, the feelings of the music and the, and the atmosphere. And certain people, they worship the act of worship, like the Catholics and Orthodox and all this stuff. To them, their traditions is what they worship. Their traditions are what's so important. And these guys, they come to Jesus and they have a question. So they come all the way from Jerusalem, a really long, long journey. They finally find Jesus. They corner him. And what is it that these scribes and Pharisees, to them, that was so important? That was such a big deal that they traveled for days. They traveled for days to get to him and everything. What is it that they come up with? Verse 2. Why aren't you washing your hands? Verse 2. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they, for they wash not their hands when they eat bread. You've come all this way. You've taken this much time, this much effort. You've traveled all this way to confront Jesus and his disciples about them not washing their hands before they eat. All right. But to the scribes and Pharisees, this is actually a big deal. Somehow. There's a few things in this that we can take a look at. The, uh, the absolute absurdity of this is that this is the logic. This is the mentality 
of of those in those belief systems those structures where it's all about works even the littlest thing that if you're not doing everything just flawless and perfect you're not going to make it we have to do everything perfect and as paul says if you if you think you got to keep the law you're a debtor to do all of the law well part of the law is about cleanliness and all this kind of thing so these guys what they have done is they've elevated the works out from where it's supposed to be they've elevated the works to a salvationary level to to a a level of righteousness that if you are not doing these things you're not going to be accepted by god and they're worried that jesus and his disciples are teaching people they don't need to do these kinds of things to earn favor with god now here's a question here's a question the the religious works the works of righteousness and all the stuff that we do why are we doing it for what purpose for what purpose why do we do it think about that one are are we following the lord and walking with christ and you know following the, the word of god the law of christ all these things because well we need to earn and keep our sanctification no because jesus christ is our sanctification we're not earning sanctification he is our sanctification we are sanctified okay are we doing these things to earn favor with god no we already have favor with god we have all the favor with god because we have his son uh we don't have to earn his favor okay um well well to to appease the lord so he'll answer our prayers no 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 his ears already bent towards us because we are his dear children and he is always with us and teaching us and guiding us instructing us convicting us and he hears our prayers no we don't have to uh no we don't have to bend his ear no um all right well we're doing it to earn our salvation no we're saved and salvation is not earned but to maintain to keep our salvation nope the salvation can't be lost to atone for our sins nope our sins have already been dealt with by jesus christ so why do we do what we do because we love him and yes exactly we obey the lord because he saved me and i love him and as uh, as another uh, here is for the promotion of the faith exactly as we see in the book of james as james chapter 2 was written to christians who are already saved and it's talking about charity and christian behavior for the purpose of promotion of the faith not maintenance of salvation as many mis- misunderstand and, and uh, misread faith that works is dead because we need to pay attention to what scripture says about this now, what does that mean? That's ta- it's about that you say you have faith, but if you're not proving it, all these things. You see, we justify ourselves before men by our works. But to be justified before God, it's by faith alone. God doesn't need our works to justify anything before him. But before men, before the world, before other people, uh, 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 you can say whatever you want, but it doesn't mean anything. They need to see the evidence of it. So we're justified before men by works, not justified before God. Okay, so let's get back to this. Verse 2, Matthew chapter 15, verse 2. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Now look at this. Look what it says. The tradition not of god 
not of the scriptures, not of the law. They got such a bee in their bonnet, they got all worked up, got their nose out of joint, and they had to travel all the way from Jerusalem because literally we can actually translate this in another way. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of our of our catechism? Our personal catechism. Not the scriptures, not the law, not of God, but of our own personal rules, our made-up traditions, our catechism. They have elevated the tradition of man to that being equal to the tradition of scripture, to the law of scripture. The law of their own, the law of man, as equal to the law of God. You see that? It's just like when you listen, if you've actually talked to and debated uh, Roman Catholics and the and Orthodox priests and such, it, you'll hear an awful lot about them about the tradition of the church, church tradition, uh, church, church tradition, the church, uh, church tradition, on and on and on. All about their traditions, their traditions, their traditions that they that they don't follow the scriptures as the final absolute authority. No, the church tradition is the final absolute authority. They say that they actually believe that. So this is kind of the same thing here. The tradition of the Pharisees, the synagogue tradition of the Pharisees and the scribes. But look what Jesus says about this. Because they say because they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And they see that as a very foul, unclean, sinful thing. But what is it that Jesus is doing? When you take a look at the life of Christ, you take a look at his teachings, his works, and everything that he's doing. What is Jesus trying to get across to the people to help the people to understand more clearly? What is it that he's getting across? About true righteousness according to the word of God true righteousness before the lord now look what jesus says here in verse 3 jesus turned and answered these ones and he said to them why do ye also transgress the commandment of god by your tradition you see they brought up the tradition of the elders jesus one-ups them what about the tradition of god you uphold the tradition of the elders so high, so sacred, so special. You uphold your catechismic traditions, your denominational traditions. You uphold your church traditions so so high, so special. But you completely ignore and nullify the tradition of God. Look what he says here. Why do ye also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? Which you take a look. And what the word of God says, but the commandments of God. What are the commandments of God? What are some things? Well, like, for example, we see the commandment of God about the doctrine of grace. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. That I didn't merit it. I didn't earn it. It's not a reward. I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyways because he so loved me. The, 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 uh, the sheer mercy of God given by unmerited favor. 
And you see what it says about uh, that not not by not by not of ourselves, not by the works of the uh, of men, not of ourselves. It's not by works, not by righteous works, not by uh, deeds of the law. But what does every single other belief system in the entire world teach? That it's by works, Catholicism, Orthodoxy, uh, and uh, we see. Um, uh, certain certain other de- uh, denominational distinctives and we see other religions of buddhism and islam and shintoism sikhism and and all of the judaism it, it, we see seventh-day adventist and mormon and jehovah's witness it's all by works they are traditions that if we keep our traditions we earn a place with god so they nullify the commandments of god by their tradition and not just on a salvationary level, but we see also within within the scope of born-again Christianity, we can do this sometimes too. By our own personal traditions, where we ignore grace and mercy and treatment of others uh, due to our own opinions and feelings, our own biases, these kinds of things. By our own denominational distinctives, we can even undo the commandments of God. Like, I'll, I'll just say it. I'll just say it. Like, for example, the whole head covering thing. What we see in Corinthians, is, it says, says the woman's hair is her covering. It flat out says her hair is given to her for her covering. She doesn't, and so, but so many of uh, born again Christian uh, denominations and churches enforce or heavily teach that women need to wear hats and veils and all these kinds of things because this is honoring to God. But the Bible says her hairs are covering our own personal ignorances and biases. So we see that what Jesus says here is quite pointed. And we need to take it to heart. Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? And this can be placed and focused on many things. Many things. What is our own personal tradition the tradition of our personal beliefs uh, why do you believe what you believe how do you know it's an absolute biblical fact have you studied it out or are you only going by like one verse one point one passage and you're not correlating with the rest of the word of god like for example um i just keep getting raked over the coals <laughs> Uh, every day by so many people who are just absolutely just in just raging over what i say about biblical tongues is i deny flintstoneism the yabba dabba do nonsensical noise making gibberish uh foolishness that they call the language of angels because they cherry pick one verse they just keep putting 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, just one verse, one verse, one verse, one verse. And they build an entire doctrine off of one verse. Their traditions of their tongues, of the charismatic movement, their traditions, they, they are, they're ignoring the commandment of God, of rightly dividing the word of truth. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Search the scriptures to, to see these things. And they're not paying attention to the rest of the word of God. But we all have a tendency to do this. Where we can be become quite legalistic regarding some things as well. Over-controlling. 
over controlling about the about the everyday items and things and behaviors and actions and and things hyper controlling because well i don't like it i don't think that's right because our denominational distinctive has commanded it to be so where we ignore grace ignore mercy and we we judge unrighteously we judge after the appearance so you see what i mean now what jesus says here in verse three is a broad sweeping brush and we need to pay attention because so many people when they read this they only look at it in the point of like the the unsaved scribes and pharisees viewpoint aspect and we don't we don't see the the application to our own selves we got to be careful we got to be careful look what he says why do ye also transgress the commandment of god by your tradition so we need to examine ourselves in any way shape or form does our own personal tradition religious traditions our personal religion as religion is the physical carryings out of one's belief of faith that's what religion is does our personal religion transgress the commandment of god in any way shape or form even remotely we need to examine ourselves examine ourselves jesus says okay one more time why do you also transgress the commandment of god by your tradition for god commanded saying honor thy father and mother and he that curseth father and mother let him die the death so he's referring back to old uh, old testament commandment of law here about the family structure and about uh children that they are become uh little sons of belial and cursing their mom and dad and, and rebellion and and they won't listen they won't listen to the priest won't listen to god won't listen to this stuff that there there's a death sentence there that's what it says that's what it says and these ones are given much much warning and uh, lots of attention is given to this to try to turn them around if they wouldn't well there's there's punishment for blasphemy there's punishment for rebellion there's punishment for for breaking the law but look what Jesus says here. He points to this one about honoring your father and mother. But what would the scribes and the Pharisees, these types, what, what kind of things would they do? What were they known to do? Jesus says, verse 5, but ye say, because God says, honor your father and mother. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father and mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honoreth not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So what have they gone and done here? You see, what they do is they try to find a way around certain laws and things that keep them controlled because they want to be the control. They, want, they don't want to be held to anything else for control. So what they would do is they took this for example and because they've elevated themselves to such a degree they say because i'm i'm god's gift to you i'm your child and god gave me to you so so whatever i do is a gift and you you should be you should just be thankful that i'm here and thankful that i'm your child and they don't see the importance of submitting themselves to their parents and so they try to find loopholes, create loopholes and ways around so they don't have to submit themselves in any way because they are the, the authority. They can do whatever they want. 
that all that I do is a gift to you because God gave me to you so I, I can basically go do whatever I want. And honor not his father or his mother, verse 6, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect. The com God's commandments have are become no none effect, have no power. You voided them by your tradition. As many void grace by their traditions. Many void the blood of Jesus Christ by their tradition of baptismal regeneration. Many, as we see in Catholicism, void the cross by their worship of their goddess Mary. We see people void the works of Jesus Christ, the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, by elevating their own personal righteousness. You've made the commandments of God of none effect by your tradition where the physical carryings out of faith, the, the religious aspects, are elevated to the salvationary level or, or as superior to. The outward physical is more important than the spiritual. When you elevate the outward physical as more important than the inward spiritual, you voided the commandments of God by your tradition. There you go. So scripture says. It's what it says. Look at it. Look at it. Rightly divide the word of truth. The clear interprets the unclear. What it clearly says here. We need to take everything that we have. Everything that we're holding to. Everything that we believe. Bring it back to the word of God. Why are you believing it? Why do you believe what you believe? What are your personal doctrines um, on each of these things? And take a look at what Scripture flat out clearly says. The clear interprets the unclear. Let's continue. You have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition, ye hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, ye hypocrites. And there's Jesus calling it like it is. Many people today would say that Jesus is not being very Christ-like because he's, he's being harsh. He's being, he's being mean. He's not being loving. He's, he, he's, he, Jesus mocks the Pharisees and he calls them out and he name calls and, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. That's unloving. Oh, I guess we got a problem with Elijah. I guess we got a problem with some other prophets. Got a problem with John the Baptist, Jesus. Got a problem with Paul and Peter. It's not wrong to call things what they are. These ones are hypocrites. Now, what is hypocrisy in this? Where you, you say one thing, but you do another. They say they follow God, but they don't. As Jesus says, you have not the love of God in you. You have not the love of God in you. Look at Jesus says, ye hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They say they love God. It's, it's just word only. They say they love the scriptures. They say they read the scriptures. They say they love God. They say they love righteousness. They say they hate sin, but their heart is far from me. 
There's no true desire of the heart. You're so focused on washing cups and pots and washing your hands. You're so focused on the outward appearance that your heart is not in it. Your heart is not in it. There's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no love. There's no passion of the heart. There's no zealousness of righteousness according to God. You only have zealousness for your traditions. Zealousness for your denominational distinctives. Zealousness for your catechism and church tradition. Where's the zealousness of the word of God alone? Like I said before, people so often will shout and scream, Sola Scriptura, Sola Scriptura, the word of God alone, Sola Scriptura. But all they can quote is the, is the fathers of the Reformation and catechisms and church traditions and creeds and councils and commentaries, everything else. And there's not scripture alone. They interpret the Bible through the lens of other men. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy. These people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. So what is it that they truly love? Where your heart is, there your, there your treasure is. So what is it that they are truly upholding? As Jesus says, your heart is not with me. Your heart is not with God. So where is their heart? Their heart is in their tradition. Their heart is in their outward physical acts, their religion. Their heart is in their own personal mysticisms, their own, pers their own personal workings. What they think is righteous, what they feel, their feelings, their opinions, their dreams, their visions, their senses, their experiences, what they want. I have my truth, you have your truth. Look at Jesus says, verse 8. These people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain, in vain. Now, what does that mean, in vain? If we take a look at verse 9, in vain. In vain means fruitless. Fruitless. And we take a look, uh, unsuccessful, folly no purpose no purpose no point valueless fruitless just vain empty but in vain in vanity do they worship me in fruitless useless practices do they seek to worship me but in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrine look at this look at this now what is doctrine that's one of those dry, stuffy words, right? One of those dry, stuffy words. People don't like the word doctrine. They don't like the word theology. Well, theology, theo, this, uh, uh, Godology is way of. So you see the way of God. Uh, doctrine, these are the teachings. The teachings of Scripture. The teachings of Scripture. What the Bible says. Like the deity of Jesus Christ. What's the doctrine of the deity of Christ? What's the doctrine of the cross? The doctrine of the blood? The doctrine of the resurrection? What's the doctrine of grace? These are the teachings of. So they, they are actually taking their own personal traditions of what their elders, their people have written down, i.e., 
the commentaries and the catechisms of their tradition, of their church tradition, of their synagogue tradition. They've taken these things and they're teaching them these things as doctrine to the people. Um, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Uh, isn't that a bit of a problem? Because what does that do with the scriptures? That literally is elevating the doctrines, the commandments of men as equal to the word of God. You can't understand the word of God unless you read it through the lens of these men. Like Calvinism. Like Orthodoxy. Like Catholicism. Like many other traditions and denominational distinctives. Ruckmanism. You you have to read our books to understand these things in the Bible. Heresy. You don't like that? Prove me wrong. I'm always down for a good fight. But in vain do they worship me. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So how can we know then what is of God? What does it say? What it says is what it means. It's kind of that simple. Not just kind of, it is. An ignorant, unlearned farm boy can pick up a Bible, read it, and know more than most masters of theology. Seriously. Well, look at the disciples. They were unlearned fishermen. So what are the doctrines that we should be holding to? Well, what does the Bible flat out say about Jesus Christ? He's God manifest in the flesh. Done. There you go. The doctrine of the deity. That's what he is. That's who he is. So the Bible says. And again and again and again it says that. And it will never not say that. It will never contradict that. What does the Bible say about the doctrine of the resurrection? Well, the prophet Isaiah chapter 53 says that his days would be prolonged. He'd be resurrected. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, I have power to lay down mine own life and take it up again. No man taketh it from me. And what did Jesus do? He says, on the third day I will rise again. What did he do? He rose again. The doctrine of the resurrection. Jesus came back to life after he laid down his life for, for our sins. He shed his blood and died, was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures. What it says is what it means. It's simple, simple, simple. You don't need all these other things. You don't need the traditions. You need the word of God. You need the scriptures, the authority of the word of God and the word of God alone. Not the tradition of the elders, not the tradition of denominationalism, not the tradition of the reformed fathers and all of that, not the traditions of other catechisms, commentaries, creeds, and councils. You don't need that stuff. Put your arm on the table, sweep it all out the window, put the Bible down, that's all you need all you need and as well as you don't put on the table your senses and your feelings and your opinions and your emotions and your experiences and any of that throw that all out the window you don't need it what you need is the word of god and the word of god alone we lie to ourselves countless times every day 
You can't trust yourself. You can't trust your feelings. You can't trust your senses. People say, well, I had an experience and it was of God. Well, how do you know? Because it made me feel the fuzzy wuzzies. Because I started uttering nonsensical gibberish noise making. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, that's that's not blasphemy. Saying that the Holy Spirit of God will make you talk like a maniac. The Spirit of God never does that. There's no such thing as a mystic prayer language. It's not what the Bible says. Well, that's another talk, uh, another topic. But look what Jesus says here. The vanity of teaching doctrines for the uh, uh, teaching do as doctrine the the traditions of men, the commandments of men. Now, Jesus turns to the multitude that's there. The the Pharisees and the scribes thought so much of themselves. They had elevated themselves in their own minds to such a degree that they feel that they can do anything. They can go anywhere, do anything, say anything, and everybody must bow to them. Well, Jesus said that these hypocrites, these liars and hypocrites, these godless folk, would walk down the road, but they would have an entourage. They'd have other guys going with them and someone out front blowing a trumpet. To get the, everybody's attention, would blow a trumpet and would make the way and clear the way for the Pharisees as they come come the, the strutting down the road, kind of like a, those Catholic Orthodox processions where they wear those long robes, they dress like mother wanting to be called father, and they swing those stupid censers and everything else. They come in that long procession and everyone has to part out of the way, just like that. They come in, Jesus is teaching the people. Okay, Jesus is teaching them. And they come in and interrupt the service. They've come all the way from Jerusalem. They barge their way in, interrupt the service to interrogate Jesus about not washing his hands. The absolute arrogance, the obstinance, the foolishness, the vanity, the emptiness, the empty headedness of the Pharisees but isn't that what goes on many churches they go by their own traditions their own practices of their own senses of their own writings of their own feelings of their own opinions there's very little of word of God alone in many churches Just saying, tell me I'm wrong. And he, so Jesus addresses the Pharisees and the scribes here regarding this. And he turns and he addresses the whole multitude in front of the Pharisees and scribes. They're still standing there. And he calls the multitude. He calls out to the multitude, hear and understand gonna tell you something regarding these pharisees because what did, what did the pharisees go on about but they had they're eating with unwashing hands and and doing so will defile you because it's unclean jesus turns and says now look at verse 11 look at verse 11 not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man but that which cometh out of the mouth 
this defileth a man. What comes out of the heart, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the heart proceeds cursings and adulteries and fornications and drunkenness and lewdness and morality and all these things comes out of the heart. That defiles the man, not what goes in the mouth. You see that? You see that? It, not that, and if you're into underlining, highlighting, or marking your Bible, please do so with verse 11. Underline this, circle this, put a mark here. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. So many people uphold, well, well, certain, uh, as Christians, we, we still got to follow the Judaistic dietary restrictions, and we got to do this, and you can't eat this, and you can't eat that, you can't, you can't have this, can't have that, can't do this, can't do that, because we got to keep ourselves clean and right before God. No. No. It's not that which goes in the mouth that defiles you. It comes out of the heart. It's it's a heart issue. It's the spiritual issue. It's the spiritual context, not the physical. So many Christians are just at each other's throats over, over religious practices, then they've got it completely wrong. It's not about the outward. It's about the inward. It's about the heart. It's about our faith. It's about our belief. It's about uh, the love of the heart, the obedience of the heart, not the obedience of the hands. The obedience of the heart overrides the obedience of the hands. You understand that? You understand that? Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. What you believe, your faith, your intention, your intention, the reason why is the zealousness of faith of the heart of spirit, not physical. Because when your heart is right with the Lord, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, naturally, instinctually, out of you will flow the springs of living water, the good deeds, all this stuff, and the works of the physical outward, the outward actions, the physical is a byproduct of the heart the intention the reason the deed is a byproduct of the heart so you see so many people are focused on the outward their intention where their heart is is on the it's focused on the outward and not their heart you could see it you understand it what is truly important to people why they are doing what they are doing so Jesus tells them off, tells off the, the Pharisees and the scribes right in front of the whole multitude. All of this great sea of people that's there. And Jesus tells off the Pharisees right in front of them. And verse 12, I love verse 12. <laughs> I love verse 12. So they wrap up with this. And Jesus' disciples, the disciples are standing there like, like a fly on the wall just watching this. Watching Jesus just going up one side, down the other, through the middle of the Pharisees, just ripping them apart like this, calling them hypocrites and everything else, <laughs> and telling them off, making the Pharisees look look like little kids in front of the whole multitude, showing the ignorance and the and the the unlearned ignorance and the foolishness and the vanity of the Pharisees in front of all the people. The disciples are just standing there like, and then afterwards they come. The disciples come to Jesus, verse twelve. 
Then came his disciples and said unto him, uh, Master, knowest, do you know, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this? The Pharisees are really offended. You offended the Pharisees. And Jesus responds, and he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. <laughs> I love it. That Jesus is telling them, it just goes on at them even more. They're just blind leaders of the blind and they're just falling in ditches, trying to search for truth. They're just falling in their own ditches. They have no idea what they're doing. They're ignorant and they're, and they're not of God anyways. They're lying, hypocritical, godless individuals. Faithless, godless individuals. Let them alone. As it says in Corinthians if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. So the disciples are like, don't you know that you offended them? And Jesus basically is like, good. They need it. It needs to be said. Sometimes it just needs to be said. And as you see in another passage, it talks about these individuals who are in great error. It says, rebuke them harshly. That they might be sound in the faith. That they would learn. That some people need to be told off. You can't always just love everybody into the kingdom. Some people need to be told off. They need to be rebuked. They need to be shown. That they, they need that, that cup of cold water to the face, doctrinally speaking. And you look at Elijah with, uh, with the, at Mount Carmel. John the Baptist at the River Jordan. Jesus with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the rest of them. You see Paul with Alimus the Sorcerer. You see Peter uh, with others as well. With the Sanhedrin. Some people just need to be told off. need to be shown how they're wrong. They need to be bold in the Lord and bold in doctrine. Bold in the word of God. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. Now, look at this as well. They're blind leaders of the blind. I thought about this one before, verse 14. Matthew 15, verse 14. And the thought comes to my mind... Yes, thank you. It's Titus 1.13. Rebuke them harshly. We see, we see this. Okay, we see the blind leaders of the blind. And, and, I, and I, the question comes to my mind, who is the greater fool? Who's the greater fool? The fool? Or the fools that follow the fool? We see blind leaders... That they're blind by individuals like Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Todd White, Stephen Furtick, and John Hagee, all the rest of these, the Pope, and Ellen G. White, and Charles Russell, and Joseph Smith, and all these, and Muhammad, and all the rest of them, Buddha. Uh, that these are blind leaders, set themselves up as blind leaders, like the Pope, and all the rest of them. Blind leaders of the blind. You see, we understand false prophets, false apostles, deceitful workers, preaching damnable heresies. We understand false preachers, false prophets, these kinds of individuals. 
And there will always be these kinds, these types around. But what's the excuse for the blind? See, the blind leaders of the blind. Why do it, it, people ask the question, like, for example, Kenneth Copeland, just look at the man. Just look at the guy. He looks like a devil. He sounds like a devil. His eyes are just dark and evil. And you listen to his teaching and it's just trash. It's garbage. I mean, anybody with, it, with an ounce of reasoning can see he's just a nothing but a lying demoniac on his way to hell. And he needs to repent and believe the truth or else he's going to go to hell. But why does people like Copeland, for example, have such a massive, 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 massive following? Why is it that, uh, that these leaders, these blind leaders, have such large followings? What about the blind? You see, the blind leaders of the blind. And the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. So what's so what's the reason? What's the excuse? What's what's the reason why uh, these people follow these kinds of leaders? How can you wind up following these kinds of leaders? People that preach nonsense, garbage, uh, like individuals who, uh, who say that God is the creator of sin. Yeah, that there are many, many professed Christians who say that God is the creator of sin, evil, and wickedness. How can they follow that? How could they not understand? How could they wind up being deceived? They're obviously, obviously, clearly not following the commandments of God, but someone else's. They're following the traditions and the commandments of someone else. Someone else's beliefs and opinions that are kind of overruling scripture alone. They're interpreting the word of God through the lens of other men. That they have elevated the traditions of men as superior or equal to, nigh more important than the word of God alone. They're not studying their Bibles. They say they do, but they're not. They're familiar with scripture, but they're memorizing their catechisms, creeds, commentaries, and councils. Now, don't get me wrong. As I've said before, that there is a place for some commentaries, some writings in these things. Not all are good. Some are, some are good, some are not. But we got to be careful ab about, well, because this, this individual is well-known, big name, had been around for a long time, wrote lots of stuff and should know what he's talking about. Well, should know what he's talking about, but not all of them do. See, the commentary writers are not apostles. They're not the writers of scripture and they're fallible. And everything they say should be held to scripture. That scripture is the authority. We take the all these other sources to the word of God and the word of God tells us if it's right or not. Not the other way around. See, commentaries are not scripture. Catechisms are not scripture. Councils are not scripture. Creeds are not scripture. This is. Scripture is scripture. This is the authority. 
The reason why people get sucked up uh, uh, into heresies and get following after the false blind teachers is because they're not studying their Bibles. Oh, they may be reading it. They may be familiar with it, but they're not studying it. They're not rightly dividing the word of truth. And they get uh, uh, caught up in all kinds of error and deception. They get caught up in legalisms. Get caught up in heresies and blasphemies, all kinds of weirdness. Then came to his disciples and says, Do you not know that they were offended? Do you not know when you say these things, you're offending people? You're offending people. You're offending the leaders. You're offending the blind and you're offending the blind leaders. And, and, they're offending God. They are offending the saints. They are offending the Holy Spirit of God. So which is the greatest offense? Should not offense against God be called out? Should not offense to the word of God be called out? As the Bible says that we are to judge. You don't know the saints shall judge the world. The judgment must begin at the house of God. Do you not know that it says that we should judge righteously? We should be judging all things. Judge all things, what it says. Nowhere in the Bible will you see it say, judge not, period. It says, it says judge not after the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. That's judging by the standard of the word of God. God gave us his judgment, and we use his judgment to discern between error and truth. This is what it says. That's what it says. Yes, we will wind up offending the blind leaders. We'll wind up offending the blind what should we do about that? Let them alone. If they won't listen, if they won't listen and they won't follow, let them alone. Let them alone. Let them alone. If they won't listen, after the first and second admonition of a heretic, reject. What it says. What is a who is a heretic? What is a heretic? A heretic is one that's promoting heresy, which is what teaching and doctrine that is that is contrary in contradiction to the word of God. That's what it says. So what it says. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. We tell them, we warn, we show, we preach, we teach. But if people won't listen, that's their problem. They're going to have to answer to God. We can't preach conviction, but we can preach truth. You can't make people understand. All you can do is show them the, the direction. You can't force them to go that way. God is not going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and the seat of the pants and hurl you into the kingdom. God doesn't work that way. But he calls by grace. He calls, he draws, he shows, he enlightens, he gives you the glimpse, the taste, the, the light, the understanding, the enlightenment of it. And you got to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Why do you believe what you believe? Because you were told so? Or because you studied it, you looked it up, you saw it yourself, you saw it's true? What What do you follow? Do you, fo uh, do you follow the outward physical actions that your religion as your truth and doctrine? Or is it the doctrine of the heart? What God has said. The tradition of elders or the tradition of God, God's commandments, his word, his word says so. Show me from the word of God, rightly divided, not one verse here, one verse there. Not it, No, it has to be cross-reference. All scripture interprets all scripture. You know it's so because that's what the word of God says. 
So scripture says, there's like what it says about the deity of Christ, what it says about the blood of Christ, what it says about the cross of Christ, what it says about the resurrection of Christ, what it says about the life of Christ, and what it says about Christ likeness. What scripture says, what God has said is absolute. His word is absolute. This is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. The scriptures, the word of God, the Bible, the Holy Writ. What this says between Genesis and Revelation and nothing else is authority. No one else is authority. No man, no woman, no other thing. The word of God, the Bible, the scriptures is the only authority there is. And we follow it absolutely. God is the is the only advocate, mediator, intercessor. He is the only king, the redeemer. He's the only one there is. There is none else. We don't bow the knee to anyone else or anything else. You don't bow the knee to denominationalism. You don't bow the knee to pastor, pope, or priest, or king. You don't bow the knee to any other thing, any other man or woman. You bow the knee to the word of God and the Lord God, Jesus Christ. And if other people don't like that, and if other people got a problem with that, if other people went up getting offended about that, that's their problem. They're blind. And they're not getting it. And they need to be shown. And you show them. It's not what enters the men. It's not of the hands. It's not of the outward. It's of the inward. It's of the heart. It's, the, it's your hearts standing before the Lord. Your faith before the Lord God. The righteousness of Jesus Christ that comes from the heart. Your intent and purpose of the heart, not not to earn favor, not to not not to maintain sanctification, earn a place in heaven, atone for your sins, but because you love the Lord. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Because you are sanctified by Jesus Christ. He is your He is your righteousness. He is your wisdom. He is your sanctification. He is your redemption. Your sins have already been dealt with. You don't have to atone for anything. You don't have to atone for anything. You don't have to earn the Holy Spirit of God either by trying to make yourself do some mystical thing. The Spirit of God is given at the very moment that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord God and Savior. Ephesians 1.13, Ephesians 1.7, Acts 10.43. Take a look. Your sins are forgiven. You're sealed by the Spirit of God at the moment you believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to earn anything. You are saved because you have believed. 1 John 5, 13. That you may know that you have eternal life because you believed. That's what it says. That's what it says. And salvation is immediate. And salvation is not earned. That's what scripture says. Why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? What's your doctrine? What's your tradition? What's your faith? Ask yourself these questions. Examine your heart to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine your faith to see wherein it lies. What is your faith in? Is your faith in your deeds? Your faith in your experiences? Is your faith in... Or is your faith in Jesus Christ alone? Ask yourself these questions. What's truly important to you? We'll wrap that up there. Just a short one today. Well, one hour. It's short for us. So I just want, want to end it there. This is important. This is very, very pointed. Give this some thought. Go over this again. Examine yourself. 
share this around. And if you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up, make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other uh, content and Bible studies and all kinds of stuff. Make sure you check it out as well as check out our website christiancoffeetime.ca links to all their platforms and goodies and free downloadable gospel tracks pdfs as well that's christiancoffeetime.ca Alrighty, so um check with the comments here make sure i didn't miss anything good morning how's it going uh, okay me as a question what do you think about those huge bibles with commentaries all kinds of cross references in them I don't like them myself personally. I don't think it's right that people would um, take the other writings of men and commentaries and that kind of stuff and insert it into Bibles, into scriptures like that. Uh, uh, like it, you can't read the Bible yourself. That you you see you see it in this way that well I have to believe it in the way that this person does. This person is the interpreter of the Bible. That's wrong. The Spirit of God is the interpreter of Scripture, and you interpret Scripture as Scripture, not Scripture with commentaries. I don't like those kinds of Bibles personally. That's just my opinion. It's not. I don't think that's right. Uh, Force says, uh, I have a friend who is a pastor, and he told me he had to prepare the last seven sayings. What? He had to prepare the last seven saying for Easter. Is that a biblical thing or not? I'm not sure what you're referring to. This is, I'm sorry, I don't understand that. I've never heard of that. Um, uh, sorry, I have no idea what that is even supposed to be. So yeah, that, I don't know. Well, I don't know what that's referring to. Uh, Purely said, uh, took me visiting many churches in my area to finally find one who taught from the Bible without the need for entertainment. It's difficult, especially these days. It's getting more and more difficult. Uh, as you see, the great falling away. It talks about the great falling away. People falling away from the word of God, falling away from the faith, falling away from doctrine and theology, falling away from the tradition of scripture alone. We're seeing a great apathy setting in uh, into Christianity. Uh, Purely says, uh, uh, Brother Matthew, do you recall which study you did? pretty recently which spoke on the only unforgivable sin being blasting the holy spirit not accepting jesus lord and savior uh yeah i i remember i talked about that in a video forget that but i do have that that whole study about blasphemy of the holy ghost all written out um send uh, send me an email you can contact me uh directly uh, through our website or if you have my contact info already and let me know you're looking for that i'll give you my study i have it written out uh, I have a link I can share with you uh, to it all written out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right. So, there we go. I'll wrap that up there. So, thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. And uh, examine these things. Take a look at these things. Why do you believe what you believe? What is your authority? Where is Wherein does your faith lie? What is most important to you? Examine these things. What does the Bible say? So God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.